God is so good. And you know, the, the, the challenging thing is, really? <laughs> we, all, we all have those moments at times. Um, but uh, the challenging thing is, you know, we're moving rapidly into what? <laughs> New Year. Some of you just jumped over Christmas. Yeah, we're, we're, we're headed to Christmas. We're going through New Year. So, that, you know, I, I completely understand because I'm looking forward to this year ending. You know, um, it's, been, it's been a crazy year. Uh, you know, we hear these words, unprecedented and, and it, it indicates that nothing like this has ever happened, not in our lifetime, right? But, but there was uh, other pandemics and things like that that have gone on. There have been other situations where there's been huge unrest in our, our country and, and uh, uh, just animosity, anger that's overflowed. But it, all of this has come together kind of like a perfect storm. I don't know if Kind of like what happened in the New England area when uh, you. Just turn it off. <laughs> wow. We're taking a running start this morning. <laughs> uh, the perfect storm in New England when all these weather systems converge to make one massive storm. I want you to know, I really believe that there's that kind of thing going on in the spirit that is manifesting itself in the natural because we're moving rapidly towards the end of the age. And that's not a bad thing, it's a good thing uh, from the standpoint of what the Bible tells us is going to happen before that end comes, before the return of the Lord to catch the church away. Uh, there's going to be great revival. There are going to be great signs and wonders and miracles. A massive amount of number of people saved. And we, many times, we're unaware of what's actually happening because we gauge it by what we can tell. And even though we have the opportunity to get on the internet and look around and, and get information from other corners of the world, uh, we don't always know because a lot of places don't report what God's doing. Do you realize that? You're not hearing the headlines, this is what God's doing in Iraq or Iran, but I want you to know there are revivals happening all over the world. There are people being saved in the hundreds and thousands. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to happen here too. God's not going to leave out America. Uh, it, it's challenging here from the standpoint that we seem to have this mindset of we've seen it all, we know it all, and we're just going to go on with what we want to do. But God is not going to be ignored. And so we need to get ready for the greatest, greatest time for the church. Uh, that's that's right now, and uh, you know I I look at what we're where we are and what we've gone through and where we're headed, and and I've already been getting some really different types of things from the Lord, um, and I'll be sharing those with you. I have a message that I believe God has for me to share on Sunday, the twenty seventh, twenty seventh, about the upcoming year. Um, it's very prophetic in, in the scriptures that God has shared with me, but it's very insightful into what God wants us to do. There's a part that we play. How many of you know God doesn't do it without people? Okay, there are a few of you. I'm glad, glad you know that. Uh, but, but God uses people. He always has used people. He hasn't needed people, but he has given us this amazing uh, Honor and opportunity to be vessels that he would work in and work through. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden and said, here, tend it, keep it. You know, uh, it's going to take over the earth and it's going to be beautiful everywhere, not just here in the garden. And then they kind of got sidetracked with sin and, uh, uh, you know, things didn't go the way God intended. But God's not going to be uh, denied. God's going to have his way. And so God is going to going to do what he's going to do, but he's going to work through people. And we need to be ready, willing, and prepared. Amen? And so I'll be sharing that with you. But again, getting back to what, what, what's going on now. Um, normally this season, this season between Thanksgiving and New Year's that incorporates Christmas, 
what words would you use to describe it? Wonderful? Yeah, I keep hearing busy. Yeah, it, it is. It's busy. It's unfortunately, it's many times very stressful. Um, there, there are a lot of things that have to be taken care of. Our, our schedules are what they are, and then we pack into them even more. And so the, the, um, the pace of life increases. You know, if we add more into the same time frame, something's got to give. And, and many times what I find in my life happens is I'm determined I'm going to do everything I need to do. So the one thing that gives is sleep. I'm sure you understand that too. And there are some of you I can look at, even with the masks up to here, I can see your eyes. But, but in, in this year, we've got what we always have, this time, this season that has a lot more packed into it. And yet on top of that, we've got all these other things that we're dealing with. And one of them being the COVID. You know, it's, it's, we're hearing now that there is a, a resurgence in infections. And, and there are people that we know um, that are in the hospital because of it, that, that have passed because of it. And so we can't just ignore it and just go on our merry way and say, hey, but we shouldn't be afraid of it. We, we need to be wise and well-armed with the best information and faith in God, but also go about what God has for us to do. And, and so in, in all of this, we see another aspect added on to what's already a busy, a stressful, a packed, a full time. And it can cause us to lose sight of what this is really about. You know, Thanksgiving is a great time that our country pauses to give thanks to God. But not every country does. And it's, it's good that we do, but it should be every day. It, it's, it's wonderful that we still celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ. Now, not everybody celebrates the birth of Christ. They celebrate, you know, the giving of gifts, the, the gathering of families. All of that is good, but it's secondary to what this is really about. And uh, we can get sidetracked, we can get distracted, we can get uh, derailed in, in what we need to keep aware of. And sometimes people find in this season that depression grips them like never before. That there is a, a loneliness, there is a, a disconnectedness. There, there are all sorts of things that we would not want to relate to this season, and yet it's very much a part of this season. There are more people around this time of the year that take their lives than any other time of the year. And, and that ought to indicate that there's some sort of disconnect of what really should be happening and what is actually happening. And that's why um, I, I've been sharing with you about the fact that we've God, a number of months ago, many months ago, asked me a question, how's your soul? And I, I immediately responded just out of how I respond. It's, it's good. I'm fine. And then he helped me understand I wasn't as fine as I thought I was. Remember, we talked about deception, and deception is something that we don't readily realize. It's something that happens that we're unaware of, and yet it's still happening. It's not that it's not real. It's real, but we just don't notice it. And I wasn't noticing what was going on in me. And, and God began to help me understand and, and help me to um, fight the good fight of faith, to battle through this, because it's a battle. It is a fight. There's a victory already been won, but we've got to walk in that victory. And so um, I started sharing with you last week on a, a, a message called, How's Your Soul? Holy and whole, W-H-O-L-E or just holes. And, and today we're going to continue on because there are a lot of things we need to be aware of. If we're not aware, then we can't do what we need to do. We can't be what we need to be. And, and then we lose what God intended for us and to us and through us to those around us. And just as we know, this time is busy. But, you know, think about this. In this season, we've got all the things that we're dealing with. We've got COVID we're dealing with. There are kids that are, are learning remotely from home. Now they're at home. Parents that are working remotely, they're at home. And so there's this, all this going on, and it's even more pressurized and packed than ever before. I want to tell you about a dad. He was working remotely from home. 
and the kids, young kids, he had two young kids, they were learning from home. And, and as any, any parent working from home knows, they need quality time, focused time, concentrated time to be able to work because that's what they're there to do. But the kids didn't understand. Being young kids, they were like, come on, daddy, come on, daddy. He's, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. And he would just get to the place where he was getting focused and involved in the work he needed to do. And the little kids would come in again, just as kids do. You know, nothing wrong with the kids. They just didn't understand. So he knew as a parent he needed to get uh, the kids focused on something that would give him some extended, concentrated, focused time to work. And so as he was walking through the house, he's looking at all the different toys and things they had. And, and as he walked by uh, the coffee table, he noticed an oversized magazine kind of open to a page that had the world on it. And uh, he thought to himself, you know what? My kids love puzzles. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a puzzle out of this, and I'll put them to work. And so he gathered the, his two children. He had torn up this, this picture, taken out of the magazine, torn up the picture, and he said, kids, listen, you like puzzles. This is a puzzle. Uh, I want you to put the world back together again. And uh, uh, he said, and I, I want you to know that when you get the world back together, tape it together, and I'll give you each $5, which was a huge incentive for them. And so feeling pretty smug and pretty confident that he would have an extended amount of time, but also a little guilty because he had torn the picture the pieces into smaller pieces than maybe they'd be able to handle. But he walked back to his office and he began to concentrate on work and, and doing all the things he was going to do. And then before he knew it, he was unexpectedly hearing little feet moving towards him. And he thought, oh, it was too hard. They don't know how to do it and they're giving up. And there at the door were his two kids standing with huge smiles, holding up a taped-together picture of the world. And he was shocked. And he said to them, how, how, how did you do this? How could you possibly do this in this time? And, and the little girl, his daughter, said, well, Daddy, and it, we didn't know how to put together the world. But on the back side of the picture of the world was the picture of a man. And when we made the man whole, we made the world whole. And you know that's the truth. We can't expect our world to be made whole. We can't expect our world to be, be good or right until individuals experience the goodness of God and the rightness of what God has. And that's why when, when God asked me, how's your soul? He wants to change the world. But do you know where he starts? When God changes the world, he starts with you. He starts with me. And then he goes out from there. And, and we know. We know there are things that are going on. And, and in uh, Psalm 42 last week, we looked at, at the, the, what the psalmist said in verse 5, verse 11, verse 43, verse 5, where it says that, uh, Why so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? You know, downcast means to be bent over or weighed down. Or, or in the case of sheep, it's for them to be turned upside down. You know, our world in some ways has been turned upside down, and these sheep aren't able to get up when they're downcast. Um, and, and so we looked at this, and, and we understood that there are things that, that are going on that cause our souls to be downcast, for us to have trouble and holes in our soul. And... Uh, when, when we looked at that, there were three things I shared with you last week that, that causes holes to come to our soul or, or, or damage or trouble to come to our soul. It's people, it's problems, and it's the pace of life. And we, we looked at that real quickly, but how do we know if we have trouble with our soul? What's, what's, what are indicators that we're, we're being challenged in our soul? Well, uh, again, I went to the internet to look at what they indicate they have found are, are indicators of trouble with, with people's souls, where they're, they're soul-weary, they're soul-fatigued. And, and let me just give you some. Uh, emotionally drained or weariness, numb, uh, lack of energy or passion or enthusiasm. They sleep poorly, but they're really tired. Decreased momentum, absent-mindedness, difficulty concentrating, 
The feeling of being trapped or, or stuck, the sense of dread or fear, cynicism, um, and, and irrational anger. Depression. This is that downcast. This is that bending over of the soul where it, it begins to erupt and, and show out in different, different ways, different fashions. And, and I saw that in myself. And you know what? Sometimes I still see it. And I have to take notice of that and recognize, man, it's, it's, I've got to pause. I've got to turn back and look at God and, and allow him to do what only he can do. And so this morning we're going to continue on and we're going to look at some scriptures because the truth is God wants to make you whole. And we're, we're going to look at, at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, and this is kind of our, our kickoff scripture. Uh, it says in the message translation, may God himself, uh, in other translations, in the original translation, it says the God of peace. Uh, the God who makes everything holy and whole make you. Now, who's that talking about? You. This isn't about somebody else. This is about you today. And it really is always about you when God's speaking. God wants to do a work in you so that he can do a work through us to impact all those around us. Make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you what? Fit. When somebody's fit, um, what what's that... How does that play out in their lives? How do, they, how do they live? How do they do things? Confidence, if they're fit, they, they, they don't tire out. They're not broken down, right? I need, I need to walk in the fitness of God all the time. We all need to walk in the fitness of God. And, and it says, keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. If you just bow your heads, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence here. Father, we know that there's no place we can go that you're not there. But Father, we acknowledge not only your presence, but we affirm our need for you to speak to our lives, to impact our lives, and to empower our lives to live a victorious life in the midst of every obstacle, every uh, um, opposition, that, Father, you would give us every opportunity to overcome in all these things that we would be more than conquerors. So, Father, help us receive what you're about to impart to us to transform our lives and to empower us to reveal your presence, your plan, and your glory. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. So right here, God himself or the God of peace, the God of Irene, the word peace is, is it means to set it one again. The God who puts everything back together again. Is that who God is? Absolutely. From the very fall in the garden, he had a plan to put things back together the way they were supposed to be from the beginning. Because all of us know that what God has planned is always the best. All right, And he's working all this back towards coming to the place where it's the way he intended it, without the influence and effect of sin. But God who makes everything holy and whole will make you holy and whole. This is not a self-help program. Because the truth is you and I can't make us holy or whole. And the truth is no one else can make us holy or whole. There's only one who can make us holy and whole. Who is that? Why? Any ideas? Because he's our creator. He is holy and whole. He's the only being at this time, God, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, only being that's holy and whole completely. And we're all moving towards that. And God is the only one that can get us there because he created us. God's the creator. The one who creates knows how things are supposed to be that they've created. And so God is going to make us holy and whole, put us together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep us fit. Man, if there's anything that the body of Christ needs, and the world needs to see the body of Christ as portraying, is holy and whole. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see God. And that's where God wants to reveal himself 
not only to us, but through us. And as we become holy, and that's not, you know, a sourpuss face, no fun person. It's a person that's more like God than ever before. As we become holy, we become more like God. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. I used to think holiness was, was not for me. I, I wanted to have fun in life. And yet the truth is when we become holy like God is holy, it is unlimited joy, unlimited peace, unlimited hope. That's, that's a whole lot better than the things that I was looking for to make me happy. Because the things I was looking for were destroying my life. Because it wasn't what God had. And so make you whole. Make you whole. This word whole uh, in Strong's, it means having all its part complete or sound. Man, there's a lack of soundness. When I, when I say sound, it's an a, a aspect of stability, of serenity. Do we see a lot of stability and serenity in our, our, our society today? No, absolutely not. But there should be an aspect that people are able to see wherever they go because God's people are there. We shouldn't be in an uproar just like everybody else. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Please know my heart. Please know I love you. Please know I'm trying to share truth with you. And sometimes uh, Jamie Buckingham had a, uh, a book. He said, the truth will set you free, but it'll, the title was, the truth will set you free, but it'll beat you up first. And, and so I want to share some truth with you. In the big scheme of things, it's important who is elected in our country and in other countries, but God's still in control. And we shouldn't get all worked up and all upset about, because if we get upset about these issues here, then we're not looking beyond them to the one who takes care of all of it. All of these things, economics, oh my gosh, I'm not sure. You know what? God's always supplied for his people. He always will. Your, your supply is not based on the economy of America or the value of the American dollar. I understand that it can be really challenging, but listen, God will take care of his people. He always has and he always will. And so we can look above these things that are important, but not ultimately important because God is the ultimate important one in our lives but it, it this word whole means to be complete and sound with all it needs not lacking not divided free from wound or injury holy and whole whole put together the way it was supposed to be sound doesn't get knocked over by everything coming along you know church we're in this world the bible says but we're not of this world the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Whenever you're confronted by an obstacle or some sort of opposition, some sort of battle comes to us, we've got to remember we're not facing this battle alone. We're not facing this battle with just our resources. We're not facing this battle just in our abilities, just in our strength. Every battle we face as a child of God, there's one who is with us that will never leave us or forsake us. And who is that? God. You know, if, if that's the way we, we respond to that, then no wonder we get overwhelmed. No wonder we get undone. No wonder we get knocked on our keisters. Because we're not confident of who's with us. When we're confident, we may even get knocked down at times. But you know, the Bible says that we will arise, a righteous man arises, 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 and we need to arise. But today we're going to look at Jesus' life because the Bible says that Jesus was the visible manifestation of the unseen God. Jesus said himself, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father, the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so we're going to look at Jesus and see, did Jesus make people whole? Yeah, he did. And so we're going to start out this morning in, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 5. Uh, this is a, a, a pretty common, well-known portion of Scripture. Uh, Jesus and the disciples had traveled across the Sea of Galilee. They had hit shore. When they hit shore, there was a mass of people. 
just a massive amount of people. But among the massive amount of people was a man who was the head of the synagogue. His name was Jairus. Jairus. Okay, you got it. Uh, But anyways, he was waiting there. Now, these people are wanting to see Jesus. Here's the head of the synagogue. It was the religious people that were opposed to Jesus looking to figure out how to kill him. And here is one of them, but he's not looking to kill Jesus. He's looking to capture Jesus in a way of saying, come to my house. And you know why? Because his daughter was sick. You know, parents will do almost anything for their kids. And this man, this man literally put his life, his um, work, everything on the line because he was not seeking Jesus to destroy him. He was seeking Jesus to come to his house. Come to my house, my daughter's sick. And so Jesus steps off the boat. Jairus talks to him about his daughter. Jesus agrees, I'm going to come to your house. The massive crowd around him says, well, we're going too. And so this huge herd of people take off. And that's the setting that that we find this portion of, of Scripture in. And it says, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but grew worse she had heard of Jesus and came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now, we got to stop here because if you and I are going to understand the magnitude of what's going on, we need to see that this woman ha- had a problem. And what was it? An issue of blood. I want you to understand. We read that. We read over that. We don't know what it means. It means that she was unclean. All right? She was banished from her family. She was banished from the synagogue, and she was banished from society. She couldn't be among people because of the uncleanness. Now, these are, these are things that it just was in that society. But for 12 years, she had a physical issue. But how many of you know there was a deeper emotional issue that she had? Don't you think? She's separated from her family. She's separated from her family extended in the synagogue. She can't go out among people in society because if she did and she was caught, do you know what the penalty was? Yeah, death, stoning, right there. Right there, if they found her among the people, they had the very right legally to separate, pick up stones and kill her. This is the moment in time that we're looking into. This is a window into real life. And so this woman has all this going on, and and on top of that, it says she had this for 12 years. She suffered a couple of things from a couple of doctors. What's it say? Many things from many doctors. This wasn't a woman that just said, well, you know, what will be, will be. She said, I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to beat this. But over time, She kept getting knocked back down. And not only did the physicians not help her, it says she grew worse. What happens in your life and in my life when we're believing God, we're doing everything we know to do, and it doesn't get better, it gets worse. Do we get a little discouraged? Are we tempted to get depressed? Yeah, many times we fall into that pit of depression. And we have our pity parties. All of us do at times. But on top of that, if that wasn't enough, on top of that, it says she had spent all she had. I've got to tell you something. There's an indicator here that is not written, but it's very clearly revealed. She spent all she had on doctors looking for healing, and that was not cheap. She was a woman of wealth, of substance. And all that she had in that area was now gone too. And she hadn't grown better, she had grown worse. But look at verse 27. When she heard of Jesus. Somebody had to tell her. Somebody had to make mention of who Jesus was. Not just, hey, you know, the carpenter's kid. 
They, they had to say, you, ought to, you, you know what? You, you, you ought to get to Jesus. I want to tell you personally, in my family, my mom had an issue. She had a sickness that the doctor said we can't do anything about. You're going to have to live with it, just like they told this woman. And somebody said to my mom, you know what, you ought to go down to the Capitol Theater. And, and you got, ought to go to the meetings that they're having on Friday nights because there, there are people getting healed. And I've got to tell you something. My mom had heard about this when and she was healed. Now, does God love my mom more than he loves you? No. He loves us all the same. But she was willing to step out. And so this woman stepped out. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind to touch his garment. Because she said, if I may touch his clothes, I will be what? Man, that's her faith. She has a, she has a determination. I've got to get to Jesus and death won't keep me from him. Because that was what literally was standing between her and Jesus. If they found out she was among them and recognized her, they'd kill her. What is it that's, that's threatening you to keep you from Jesus? And you know, I, I want to say this. It would be one thing if we were threatened with death. But many of us aren't threatened with death. We're inconvenienced. We're distracted. There are all sorts of other reasons why uh, we can't get to Jesus. Could she have had reasons why she couldn't get to Jesus? Help me. Absolutely, she had a long list. And at the top of the list is, they'll kill me. But she said, I don't care. I've got to get to Jesus. What is it that's keeping us from Jesus? Because I want you to know, what keeps us from Jesus keeps us from wholeness. She said, if I can get to him, I can be made whole. Sound, complete. And, and so she pressed through. She touched his, his, his clothing, the hem of his garment. And it says this, and straight away or immediately the fountain of blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was what? Healed, healed. Healed of the plague. How many of you know God's a healer? He is a healer. And many times we want our healing, but God wants us not only healed, but he wants us whole. Because with this woman, when she was healed, there was still a whole deep, dark area that had been damaged in her life. Don't you think there was damage because she had been separated and isolated? Don't you think she was probably looked at in, a, in a, a way that caused damage to her soul? Don't you think the enemy worked her over like he works you and me over where he said, you know what, you used to be rich, but now you got nothing and you are nothing. And she gets healed. And it goes on to say, Jesus immediately, knowing in himself the virtue, this word virtue is the same word of the power. When Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It's the dunamis, miracle working power. Virtue went out of him. How did virtue go out of him? Because she reached out in faith, expecting something. I, I want to thank you so much for being here today. I really do. Every one of you, I, I just want to thank you for being here but I'm going to tell you something. If you're just here and you're not expecting something, you're going to go out the same way you came in. There needs to be an expectation. You make the effort to be here. Expect God to heal you. Expect God to speak to you. Expect God to refresh you. Expect God. Expect God. Reach out. Reach out to touch him with your faith. Expect you're not going to be the same. Expect you're going to be filled with joy. Expect you're going to be filled with peace. Expect your hope to increase. But if we're just sitting here and, well, you know, I made it. 
You know, I used to go to the Presbyterian church here in town as a little kid. And one of the things that I was so excited about every week was seeing my name on the chart on the wall and another gold star. Well, the Presbyterian church gave me gold stars, but God doesn't give you gold stars. God wants to give you all that heaven has to offer. And if we walk out of here the same, it's because we've chosen to. And we need to expect. I mean, in this season, we're, we're moving rapidly towards Christmas. When God gave his son, the greatest gift ever given, the gift that keeps on giving. And, and we approach Christmas and we don't expect some sort of supernatural, some sort of miraculous, some sort of wonderful uh, occurrence to occur. Then we're just as traditional as those people that talk about Xmas. Immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out, he turned around in the press and he said, who touched my clothes? Now the disciples, go ahead. The disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and you say, Who touched me? They were just, Are you out of your mind? They didn't say that to Jesus. They had too much respect. But they were thinking it. Man, everybody's touching you. Who's not touching you? But listen, there's a great lesson to be learned in this. There are a lot of people that go to church. And there are a lot of people that don't get touched because they're not reaching out to touch. They're, they're going to church. They're doing the religious routine. But their lives aren't changed. And God wants every one of our lives changed. Not just Sunday, but every day. We can touch him and he can touch us every day. But all these people were touching him, but there was no effect in their life. No effect, no change. They're touching God, and there's no change. And this one woman with great expectation was willing to risk death to touch the hem of his garment because she expected change. She expected healing. And the Bible says God will do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think according to the power that's at work in you. And God wants you not just healed, he wants you whole. He wants you sound and solid and complete. And, and he asked, and they said, who hasn't touched you? Basically, and, and it says in verse 32, and he looked around about to see her that had done this thing, and the woman fearing and trembling, because she knew this could be the end. Even though she was healed, the way she came in, she deserved death. Knowing what was done to her, came and fell down at his feet, go ahead, uh, before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Now this, this word whole is different from the next word whole. This one is about, about, you know, healing. And he said, your faith has made you whole. Go in what? Peace. This is the irene, that God is the God of peace. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, go in peace and be, what? Whole. This is that completeness and that soundness. It's about what we become. Not just what is done to us, what we become. We go. He said, go and be whole of thy plague. How many of you need healing today? I'm putting both my hands up. All right. How many of you came expecting God to heal you today? Uh, don't put your hands up. I don't want to see him. Nobody else needs to see him. But you need to answer that question in your own heart. Because we, if we come, we ought to be expecting something. And if we're in need of healing, every time we get together. I'll tell you, we pray before service. We pray that, that God would heal people. That God would save people, that God would set people free. And, and we're part, as we pray, we're believing for others. But you know what? There's a part you need to believe for you. And then you need to believe for others. The Bible says that he'll confirm his word with signs and wonders following. We're expecting healings and miracles in these services. Not just here, but for people that are online. People that tune in later. People that see this next week. 
because there's no time or distance in the spirit. God wants to do these things. God longs to do these things. And he longs to do them in your life. Because what greater advertisement, what greater witness than when we can personally say, this is what God's done in my life, and God loves me, but God loves you just the same way. We're not talking about something that happened to somebody else. It's great when we can do that. But it's even more powerful when we can say, this happened to me. This is what God did in my life. And God wants to do it in your life. Go in peace and be whole. Go in peace. That word peace. To set it one again. Go complete. Go in soundness and continue to be whole. In soundness and completeness. Because in life, is it just one shot? You, you get one shot in life and then you know all the shots are over and you're okay. You, you aren't going to get taken down. You aren't going to get beat up. You aren't going to get attacked. You aren't going to get opposed. Just one. No, it's every day, all the time, multiple times a day. And that's why he said, go in that connectedness, that oneness. Not just oneness in you, oneness with me. You've touched me, I've touched you, and your life is different, but it needs to continue. You need to still stay connected. Now, for her, it would have taken something different from us because where does God live? He lives right in you. And when you go, you can go daily being made whole. And when something comes and, and pierces your soul and damages your soul, you don't have to go and find Jesus and grab the hem of his garment. All you have to do is stop and turn to Christ with expectation, with faith, and reach out to him for what he has already reached out to you and me and every human being with, and yet we go without because we're not reaching out in faith. I got to go to another one just to... to to help solidify this. A little farther over in Mark, there's a, another situation where we see Jesus and wholeness coming to a person's life. It's, it's, it's the story of blind Bartimaeus, a true man in Mark chapter 10. It starts in verse 46, I believe. Yeah, it says that they reached Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd, he was always being followed by crowds, but not everybody in the crowd was changed. There's still a lot of people saying they followed Jesus, but not everybody is experiencing the life-giving relationship that Jesus offers every day. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Now, in, in the King James, it says, or New King James, it says, blind Bartimaeus. How many of you know when somebody is called by a term, it's something that wasn't just recently seen in his life? He was known as blind Bartimaeus. This is who he was. This is what went on in his life. This is, everybody knew him. They didn't say, hey, did you see the beggar? They'd say, hey, did you see blind Bartimaeus? And they would affirm the fact of his blindness. <clears throat> he was sitting beside the road, and when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. What did he shout? What did he shout? Don't leave off the rest of it, son of David. That's very important. Because to a Jewish person, when they heard Son of David, that was as, as good as saying Jesus the Messiah. Now, here was a blind man. Couldn't see a lick. And yet he more clearly saw who Jesus was than all the seeing people around him. How do you see Jesus today? Is he the Messiah? Is he the healer? Is he the deliverer? Is he the savior? Is he the one who prospers you and supplies all your need? Or is he Jesus, that guy they talk about at church? Seriously, who is he to you? Because how we view Jesus, even if we can't see how we perceive Jesus, is the impact on our life. He cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd yells, be quiet. And many of them yelling at him. So this is how they, they looked at blind Bartimaeus. Man, get out of here. You're a problem. 
You're a bother. You're an inconvenience. Don't even be around us. Any damage to his soul? Yeah. Begging every day. Any damage to his soul? Absolutely. And, and when they told him to be quiet, what did he do? Shout it louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. Really? Do you see anything about what Jesus said? Tell him to come here. You don't see Jesus walking over and saying, well, move out of the way. Well, let me get to him. This is a blind man. Tell him to come to me. Is that easy for Bartimaeus? Is, is it going to be uncomfortable for him to try and find his way through the crowd if nobody who's been yelling at him will help him? Absolutely. This is a challenge to Bartimaeus' expectation. If he didn't expect he was going to get anything, then he would have said, no, nah, go ahead. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go through that humiliation of trying to find my way to Jesus. I'm not going to go through the danger of walking through a crowd that's been angry at me, that might kick me or trip me or hit me. And so Jesus said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man and they said, how how they change so quickly? Cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus, this is his response. Okay, I'll, I'll get there. Tell him it'll take me a little bit. You know, I can't see. Is that what happened? Absolutely not. Why? Because Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus is expecting something. Expecting something great that he won't let his blindness or the people that were against him keep him from. He jumps up, he throws aside his coat, and he came to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, my rabbi, I want to see. That's what he wanted. I want to see. And this is what happens. Go ahead. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Not only was he healed of his blindness, he was made sound. All that injury, all that damage, all that demeaning that had gone on, there's a soundness now there. And because of that, he does something that we all need to do. Because too many times, I include myself in this, too many times I'm expecting, I'm believing God, which I should be. And God shows up and does what he does in my life. And then I use the very thing that he just did in my life to go do my own thing. I've seen too many people that I've prayed with that have been believing God, wanting others to believe with God for them, for a job, for finances, for health, for relationships. And the very thing that God brought into their life as a blessing, they used to just go off and do their own thing. And I want you to know there's no wholeness in that. When, when, when God restores your soul, restores your body, restores you, makes you whole, it's so that we can focus and track with God, to be on track with God, to continue to experience that life-giving relationship and fellowship. And then give that to others as we're continuing to follow God. He immediately received a sight and followed Jesus in the way. This is no different than what we read in Psalm 23, except we didn't read the last part of it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When God restores, when God heals, when God redeems, when God rescues, when God does whatever he does, He's got a path for us to get on. And if we don't get on the path he has for us, we're going to stay on a path that's going to continue to do damage. And we're going to be back there again asking God, 
God who makes you holy and whole. The God of peace, setting it one again. When God does what he does, we need to keep that connection. We, we need to track with him. It's important for us, but it's also important for those around us. Can you imagine what it was like when they saw blind Bartimaeus, who was no longer blind, so they just had to call him Bartimaeus? Hey, there's Bartimaeus. Who's that with him? That's Jesus. That's Jesus. It should be said of all of our lives, if they've seen us, they've seen the Lord. Amen? Like every head bowed and every eye closed. In this time, as we're, we're approaching the celebration of the birth of the Son of God, who is God the Son, there's a wholeness God wants to bring to your life. Even in the midst of, of all the, the, the busyness, the, the challenges, the obstacles, the opposition that you face. Uh, God wants to make you whole. God wants to heal you and make you whole. And today, those of you that are believing for healing, I want you right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to reach out. You may want to reach your hand out, go ahead. You just may want to just say, God, I'm reaching out to you. I'm expecting before I hit the door that my healing is going to be uh, beginning and, and manifesting. And Father, I'm believing. And Father, I believe right now for them. I'm believing that from this moment, there's going to be an ongoing healing, health, and wholeness. A wholeness that comes from that connectedness. Father, help us to be purposeful, intentional. On in, the, on in the midst of this busy time, this season, help us to be focused and connected with you that life would flow, flow, abundant life from you to us, through us, to those around us, to our family and friends first, to, to our, 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 our church family, to our neighbors, to our co-workers and to strangers that we come across their path, that, Father, there would be a life flow, that there would be people out there that would say, you know what, i got to get to Jesus. And we could say, you know what, I know him and he's right here. Father, I'm expecting you to use these hands and these feet, every one of them, to bring healing, encouragement, strength, and life. And so, Father, we join together in our faith, expecting in this season, this time, as we near the end of the age, that we would be a part of the great revival, the great harvest, and that, Father, we would allow you to continue to live big in us. Lord, live big in your people through your spirit, because it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. We're expecting to see glory in ever-increasing degrees. And we thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.